Some of you know I get the opportunity to help out with the Murray State baseball team, and this weekend we're playing against Eastern Illinois, and we won uh, yesterday. We lost on Friday. There's another game this afternoon, the rubber match of the series, and so a big deal. But one of the things I always know when Eastern Illinois comes to town is they will always request a chapel speaker for Sunday mornings. Their team, their coach, always calls ahead and tries to find somebody to lead a chapel service for them, which is really neat. And I don't know much about the spiritual status of the coach. I've met him. I, I played against him when I was playing at Murray State. But I will give him credit for the fact that he's trying to help uh, his guys see something about life beyond baseball. And I received a, a message this week to, to tell me, do you know anybody who can lead the chapel? And, of course, it worked out just so that I couldn't be there because it just so happened I needed to be here at the same time they were meeting there. And so it didn't work out. But I was facing them with the choice, who would I recommend? Who, who would I send in my place? If I can't be there, if I can't go, who would I send? And there were a couple of guys that came to mind, and really only a couple of guys that came to mind. I don't say that because uh, I'm down on other people. I just say that these two guys, I certainly knew that if I sent either one of them they would do exactly the same kind of thing I would do. They would, they would love those guys. They, they would understand those guys. And, and they would, would make sure to, to not shy away from the truth of Jesus Christ. And so I was able to get one of those fellows to go. I'll be honest with you, had neither one of them been available, I might have been a little late this morning. I might have just gone ahead and gone myself and then tried to apologize to you later on. Because that, that, it was that important. Somebody needed to be there who understood. And I was confident in the young man that I sent, and this morning he was able to be there. I'll follow up with him, and I, I will find out how did it go. And I, I expect to hear him say the same things I would tell somebody. You know, think about it. If you had to miss a meeting in a role that is very important to you, who would you send in your place? If you were no longer allowed or could or, or able to fulfill a responsibility that you currently have, who would you select to fill in for you. To put it on a very serious note, parents, if you were no longer going to be able to raise your own children, who would you select for the job? If you had to give up leadership in your organization, your company, whatever it may be, what kind of person would you say, that's who I want to be leading? I'm sure the list is probably pretty short, if you even have anybody that immediately comes to mind. You may right now say, I don't know. I'm not sure who I would select. I wonder what you'd be looking for in them. What would you require that they be about? What would be your bare bones minimum? You've got to be about these things. If you can get that in your mind and sort of put yourself in that place, then you'll understand what the Apostle Paul is doing when we see him in Philippians chapter 2, beginning in verse 19. Go ahead and get there with me if you would. If you brought a, a copy of the Bible, turn there to, to Philippians. If you don't know where that is in the Bible, go to the table of contents. Philippians starts with a PH. If, if you need to look at it, I included the scripture there on your handout. Somebody already scan the code. I believe it's working. Jamie, is it working this morning? Very good. I saw Jamie scan it in the back. It's working. You scan the code on your smartphone or tablet. It'll pull up the online sermon notes that are the same thing, basically, with a little bit extra. Same thing you've got there in your bulletin. So get to the Scripture somehow. 
What we're going to look at today is what's required if you want to be the kind of person trusted with influence and leadership, and if you want to be effective in the roles you already have. Now, I will say this. For some, you've already tuned out. You know, I'm not in any role of leadership. I don't have a title. I, I don't lead anything in particular. I, I'm too old for that. I'm too young for that. I, I'm retired. I, I haven't started yet. Whatever it may be, I want you to know that regardless of where you are, God has given you leadership and influence somewhere with someone. And it's our responsibility to take seriously that obligation and that privilege and to do things His way. And that's what we're going to see as a great example of this, how to be effective, how to be the godly kind of leader and influence that God wants you to be, regardless of how old, regardless of how young, regardless of where you are each and every day. So this is a sermon that you don't get to check out on. All right? I'm going to hold you to it. Everybody here. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. Now I hope in the Lord Jesus Christ to send Timothy to you soon so that I may also may be encouraged when I hear news about you. Paul is sending, wants to send Timothy to them. Now let me catch up real quick. Paul can't go. He's on house arrest. He's stuck, chained to a Roman soldier, writing a letter to a group of people whose church he founded 10 years before he wrote the letter. He had gone through some hard times, obviously being arrested for preaching Jesus. And, and the Philippian church, who he's very close with, cared so much about him that they sent him some financial help. They sent him some money. And they inquired to say, Paul, how you doing? We know it's been tough. Paul wrote this letter in response to say, thank you so much for the gift. Let me tell you how I'm doing. And I can't come, but, but there's somebody, a couple of guys actually, that I really want to send to you. Timothy is one of those guys. Here's what he says about Timothy, verse 20. For I have no one else like-minded who would genuinely care about your interests. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know his proven character, talking about Timothy, because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Therefore, I hope to send him as soon as I see how things go with me, and I'm convinced in the Lord that I myself will also come quickly. Paul knows that at some point he's, he's likely to have the opportunity to go, but in the meantime, just like I had to send a chapel speaker this morning, he couldn't go immediately, and he needed to send somebody, wanted to send somebody to the Philippians to love them, and Timothy is his choice. What really is required to be a great leader, to be a person of influence? I'll be honest with you, it's been a struggle for me for a long, long time. I, I, I got two master's degrees in leadership. I had to read a lot of books. Still in school, still reading a lot of books. And most of the books that I read were okay. They, they, they had just enough in them to sort of point you generally in the right direction, but I, it just left me wanting more, if you understand. And the longer that I've been in ministry, and the longer that I've been the pastor here at this church, the more that I realize I'm not sure I learned that much about leadership in school. You can't read about it in a book. You, you can figure out some principles, and you know, okay, let's see how that works, but, but it's not that easy. I also came across an article this week, and I'll be honest with you, it really sort of offended me. It was an article written by a church pastor who was talking to other church leaders about why your church isn't growing. And if you were to read this article, you realize the guy wrote eight principles from the business world as to why your church is not growing. I don't know if you understand, but the business world is not where we look for leadership in the church. We're going to look to God's Word for leadership in the church. And I had a major problem with the article. But I'll tell you, that's prevailing thought. When you go to leadership conferences, if you're a pastor and you go to leadership conferences, guess what they try to tell you? The new slickest ways to lead your church. I've struggled with this. 
I couldn't have preached this sermon several years ago, I'll be honest with you, because I didn't believe it. I, I didn't believe that what I'm about to tell you is actually true. I didn't believe any of it. I, I would have bought into the eight ways to see your church grow that sort of adapted some business principles and so on. Now, I'm not against business principles. Those of you that are in the business world, if you're not operating by good business principles, your business probably isn't very good. But Paul is writing to a guy who's going to have influence in a spiritual way. That we're all called to, not just pastors, that we're all called to. And so a, a mix of biblical references with mostly business principles isn't going to get it done for us. Some of it's, of course, not bad. What I've read and what I've studied, it's not all bad. But I wonder, what if God's kind of leaders and God's kind of influencers aren't required to be great in business or even in organization? What if that's not where we should start? What if in order to truly be a great leader and a great influence, all of us need to start somewhere different? When Jesus called his disciples, you realize he didn't ask for a resume? He didn't ask for a resume. John, show me what you've done. Just list it out. Tell me, have you grown your organization? How many people are you influencing on a regular basis? You know what Jesus just simply told them? Follow me. Isn't that great? I don't know where you are this morning. If your resume is really short, because I haven't done anything at all, I don't even know what a resume is. I haven't updated my resume in years. My resume won't get me anywhere in the world. Let me tell you, you don't need a great resume to be a great leader for the Lord. You don't need it. When Jesus called his disciples, he just said, follow me. Great resume may help you, but it's not a requirement. Paul's decision to send Timothy to the Philippians was real similar. He didn't start with, was Timothy a graduate of a prestigious university with a great degree in business or theology or whatever he might have wanted. He simply started with who Timothy was, and he said, this is the kind of guy I'm going to send to you. This morning, I really hope in our short time together that we can just get through some of the junk. And, and this will seem very basic and very, very elementary. But as I said, it's been a struggle for me to believe that this stuff is actually true. I realize some of you think that I'm perfect. <laughs> That's actually not true because my grandmother's not here. But, <clears throat> but I want you to know I've struggled with this too. If you say, I'm not sure where to begin in leadership. I don't have what it takes. This is a struggle. But I think that what we see in Philippians chapter 2, we can arrive at and say, here's the basics. This is where we've got to start. God's Word gets to the core. He clears all the layers away, gets to the core of what godly leaders are to be. And if Paul is willing to send Timothy in his place, as we see in verse 19 and we see in 23 and 24, if he's willing to send him, to say, he's my, he's my guy. If I can't be there, he's my guy. Then there's something about Timothy that Paul writes we ought to pay attention to. Who's the kind of guy that is qualified that, that can lead other people? So if you're going to lead, if you want to lead, here's what you need. Now that rhymes because I'm Baptist. I'm just good like that. I, I, like I said, couldn't have preached this years ago, but I believe it with all my heart. I think it's vitally important to you, to me, to us. The first thing you need, if you're going to lead, here's what you need. The first thing you need is compassion for others. And I'm going first thing based upon how Paul puts it in order here. Verse 20. I have no one else like-minded who will genuinely care about your interests. He's writing about Timothy. He says, Philippians, I want to send this guy to you. And let me tell you, he's got compassion for you. He loves you. His care was genuine. It was natural to him. Because he had practiced it so much. You know anybody like that? 
probably very few people you know that compassion for others, just genuinely caring for them, comes really naturally. So few people practice it. We get so caught up in our own worlds, don't we? Doing our thing, what we've got to get done, our obligations, what we have to accomplish, we get so caught up in that that we forget about other folks. Timothy had a genuine love and genuine compassion for other people. What that means is he just wanted what was best for the people that he served. It's difficult to find folks like that. Paul said, I've got no one else. (laughs) He's the only guy I can think of. Genuinely concerned, genuinely caring. Wanting the best for other people. He had learned to care for others. Imagine the conversations that he and Paul had as Paul trained him. Paul was a guy that people didn't like. He was too focused on Jesus. He was too devoted a follower. He was too radical. He was too all in for the Lord. Paul didn't have a whole lot of people who supported him. Except for the people whose churches he had started Imagine the conversations they have. How do you lead people like that who aren't necessarily on your side? How do do you influence folks? How do you help them see what God wants in their lives? And Paul, I can imagine, always led, well, look, you've got to love them first. You want to gain an audience with people, you have to have compassion for them. You have to love them. Timothy would have known the stories about Jesus when he walks upon the crowds. The folks who would eventually shout, crucify him. And guess what he does? He has compassion. And he feeds them. Timothy would have known all of that. He would have practiced compassion. You know, it's possible to become this kind of person. You you may say this morning, you know, you talk about having compassion for others. I'm not sure I really do. If I'm honest, I I just don't really care about that many people. I I work with some folks. They work for me or whatever. But, you know, it's just a business. It's just business, not personal. It's just business. Maybe you're under conviction this morning. You say, you know what, I begin to peel back the layers and I say, really, this is the core of leadership. It starts with loving people. It's possible to become that kind of person. It's possible, we see in Timothy, to get over who you are born to be, which is selfish, and to become a person whose care is genuine. We see here that Timothy cared about the interests of other people, so we know he was an unselfish leader. How to become an unselfish person. You know, it has to take some practice. One of the things that I've found that really helps that I have to work at extra hard, if I want to be an unselfish person, I've got to learn somebody else's story. And I spend so much time trying to influence people, trying to help them, trying to get them through whatever situation they might be in, trying to guide them or whatever. And sometimes I forget, just take the time to care enough to listen to their story. Does it mean I have to agree with everything they say? No. But if I don't truly understand them, if I don't truly care about where they've been and how they arrived where they are, then I don't truly love them. They're an object to me. I'm just, I'm just trying to, to manipulate. I'm trying to maneuver. Timothy was unselfish. He cared about them. And he was also trusted by Paul. He said, I've got no one else like him. He's the guy that I want to send to you. Paul knew that Timothy was rare. And he trusted how he would treat the Philippians. He trusted what kind of leader he would be. When Paul thought about what constituted great leadership, he didn't talk first about how great Timothy was at giving a sermon. Or how great he was at, at organizing people or mobilizing them for maximum productivity. He didn't talk about any of that stuff. He led with the fact that Timothy just loves people. It's possible to be great at speaking 
great at managing, great at producing, and still fail in leadership according to God. My high school baseball coach played football at the University of Alabama for a guy known as Bear Bryant. Some of you probably remember Bear Bryant very vividly. He was the coach at Alabama for years, very successful coach in terms of wins and losses. And my my high school coach recounted for us, jokingly, thankfully, not in imitation, but jokingly, he said, I'll never forget when Bear Bryant, Coach Bryant, got us all together. And he said, guys, I just want you to know I'm going to treat you all the same. I'm going to treat you all like dirt. And Coach Miller, my high school coach, said, you know, obviously you can't do that with people. You realize that somebody like Bear Bryant, who was so successful on the football field, somebody in the eyes of the world who's reached the pinnacle of wherever they thought they could be, can still fail in the eyes of God. Because they didn't genuinely care about people. The truth is that you cannot lead those you are unwilling to love. You can't lead those you're unwilling to love. You can't do it. For each point there on your sermon outline, I just want to give you a little application. The first two will just be a prayer to pray. You can do that. This isn't going to be that hard this week until you actually start praying the prayer. Then it might get a little difficult. The prayer for the first one, he said, God, I, I, I know that I need compassion for others. The prayer is simply, God, help me to love those you've called me to lead. Help me to love those you've called me to lead. You have influence over certain people. You may have influence in a marriage, in a home, in a business, in a church, in a school, in our community. Wherever you may be, God, help me to love those you've called me to lead. This may be totally foreign to you. It may be very difficult. You say, I don't even know what that means. I don't know either, but pray, God, help me to love those you've called me to lead. You've got to have compassion for others if you want to lead. Secondly, you need devotion to Jesus. Compassion for others, devotion to Jesus. Look at verse 21. All seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Paul says Timothy loves you and he's devoted to Jesus. Unlike everybody else. Everybody just seeks their own interests. We're all bent towards selfishness. We all want what we want. Timothy's own interests, though, took a back seat. Not only to those interests of others, but ultimately to the interests of his Savior. He only cared about what Jesus cared about, and that was sinners in need of salvation. What if you lived your life like that? I'm I'm serious. I don't mean that in a trite, pastoral, let me throw out some cliches in a sermon kind of way. I really mean, what if you lived your life only caring about the things Jesus cares about? Honestly, imagine how different... If I lived my life that way, things would change. (laughs) As a parent, you know what I'd be less concerned with? How my children make me look. I wouldn't be concerned with, with as much of, okay, did they get out of line? Well, that makes me look bad. I'm the pastor of the church for crying out loud. They can't act that way. Get back in line, Hank. You know, I, they can't. what if my, my only concern... That, that was the foundation of my leadership and every role was what does Jesus want to have happen in this person's life? Imagine how that would change things. That's what Timothy cared about. All seek their own interests, he said. But Timothy seeks the interest of Jesus Christ. 
I mean, you as a business person, you as a leader in your organization, you in your school, wherever you may have influence, what if this week you just said, you know what, I, I'm going to begin to operate from the interests of Jesus Christ and not my own. It's a scary thought. Number one, because we're not in the habit of doing it. Number two, because it might cost us something. You realize that? You may feel, I'm going to get run over. If I don't assert myself, what's going to happen? This really gets to the core of why we're doing what we're doing. Why is it that you lead the way you lead? What are you doing? What's the foundation of your leadership? If you're not devoted to Jesus Christ as an individual, then your leadership won't have any eternal impact. It won't. There's a great example of that last week here at Elm Grove. Many of you were here, and we had the opportunity to pray for Brent and Jill and Sam Houston as they're, they're launching out from here to go plant a church. Let me be honest with you for a second. When, when Brent first told me all that, he's not here, but I, I've had this conversation with him. When he first told me, I had no clue how to handle that here at Elm Grove. I had no idea. I, I was not aware that any time recently that someone had left to go start a church, and it was a good thing. You know what I mean? You hear all the horror stories. Well, they're leaving because they're not happy. They're leaving because, you know, it was, it was exciting. It was good. They're not mad at anybody. They're just feeling God's call in their life. And I didn't know how to handle it. Not because I, I, I doubted you. I just thought, okay, what do I do? I, I never bled through that. I didn't know. But I'll tell you, one of the proudest moments that I've ever had in ministry and certainly pastor in this church is last week when we bring them down for prayer, folks gather around them and we pray for them. You know what? It's going to hurt our church for them to leave. You realize that? I, I, I would be honest with you. They are huge in volunteering. But you know what? I really believe last week we at Elm Grove, we made a decision to put the interests of Jesus Christ above our own and send them out. Don't worry about how I feel about it. I believe that makes the Lord happy. And you know what was, 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 was equally, that kind of moment for me was when we're leaving the fellowship meal afterward. And I looked around and I saw some of our older members writing a card of encouragement to them. Now you may have been blasting them. Why in the world are you leaving? I can't understand. But, but, but I saw some of our older members who may have been, maybe, I don't know, was it... Writing a card of encouragement. I just wanted to stand and give you an ovation. Putting the interests of Christ above our own interests. That's the kind of person Timothy was. That's the kind of folks I saw last week and the kind of church that I believe we're a part of. That's what it looks like. If you're not devoted to Jesus, your leadership and whatever role you have is just going to be dominated by your own sinful nature. It's going to twist your motives every way it can. On your own, I'll tell you this, you'll never truly succeed in the roles that you've been given. You may have the appearance of success in the eyes of many people, but in the eyes of God, on your own, apart from devotion to Jesus Christ, you're going to fail. And His eyes are the only ones that matter. You you can't please God apart from faith in Jesus Christ. You can't have God's power apart from His Holy Spirit. And you can't start over if you realize, I need to start over. You can't start over apart from the life-changing truth that Jesus 
is your only hope. You can't. It's His death and it's His resurrection that provides for His life to live in and through you. You want to say, how do I become a different kind of leader in my role as a parent, my role as a teacher, my role as a business person, my role in the church and the community? It's only through devotion to Jesus Christ and Him changing you. I told you I couldn't preach this sermon a few years ago. I couldn't have preached this sermon when I first came down Grove. But I want you to know the work that God can do in you. And I say it humbly because I didn't want Him to do it. (laughs) I'll be honest with you. I didn't want Him to do it. God has done a work in me. I know He can do a work in you as well. Compassion for others. Devotion to Jesus. This week, I just hope that you'll spend some time with the Lord each day before beginning your roles of leadership and make your prayer. I gave you the prayer on the first one, Lord. Help me to love those that you've called me to lead. And then the prayer for this, Jesus, I want you above, in, and through my leadership. Everything that I do. Above, in, and through. You need compassion for others, devotion to Jesus, and thirdly, submission to mentors. And this seems to come from left field, I'll be honest with you. But Paul wrote it here, and so I believe it's important to touch on. So don't pack up just yet. That's your last fill-in-the-blank, if I'm not mistaken. I know the quest to fill-in-the-blanks is over, but pay attention for just a minute. I used to be a high school teacher, by the way, so I, I get it. The students would look at the clock, and it's about two minutes to the bell, and all you hear is they're getting all their stuff, and you just drove me nuts. I always teach right to the bell. Just because. Anyway, I digress. Thirdly, you need submission to mentors. Look at verse 22. But you know his proven character. He's talking about Timothy. He's proven his character. Look what Paul says. Because he has served with me in the gospel ministry like a son with a father. Paul's been his mentor. Timothy, though he's great at what he does, and we see that he's extremely instrumental in the New Testament church, extremely productively used by God, And at this point, we understand Paul is probably in his, let's say, 50s maybe, something like that. At this point, Timothy's probably in his 30s going on. So they're each going on a new decade. Timothy's not exactly a a young, young, young guy anymore. He's not a teenager. He says, oh, okay, I need somebody to guide me. He's a well-established adult. And yet Paul says, he served with me like a son would with a father. I've trained him. His character was proven by his willingness to follow Paul's leadership. This doesn't just go, by the way, for young people. You know, when when Paul wrote to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, and he said, let no one look down upon you because of your youth, but be an example to the believers. He was writing to a 40-year-old man. Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young. So if you're 40, then thank Paul that you're still young. Paul's writing, he's about 60 years old at that point. He's not writing just to young people. I want you to know that. This is for all of us. His character was proven by his willingness to follow leadership. If you're a leader and you have no leadership in your life, you're in trouble. You're in trouble. If you have no one, if you have no one who can tell you, that's stupid, don't do it, you're an idiot, please stop then you're in trouble. If you have no one who can tell you no, you're in trouble. If you have no one who can guide you, 
If you have no one who has the authority and the permission to speak anything and everything into your life, you are in trouble. Even Timothy, this great man of God who Paul says, if I can't go, I'm sending him, needed somebody to lead him. I can tell you why a lot of people fall in leadership. Because they don't subscribe to point number three in the sermon. They may love people. They may at least outwardly be devoted to Jesus, but you know what? They've got nobody in their life who can correct them. And I'll say this. When things are going well, you need somebody to remind you of what leadership is all about. Compassion for others, devotion to Jesus. Not how slick you are or how smart you are. When things are going poorly, you need somebody to to remind you. Say, look, let me just remind you what this is all about. It's about compassion for others and devotion to Jesus. You do those things, I don't care what happens, you're successful in God's eyes. When you're young... You need somebody to set you on the course that says no matter what you do or how high you rise, it's all about compassion for others and devotion to Jesus. When you get older, you need somebody to remind you, don't quit because we still need your compassion for others and your devotion to Jesus. I'm giving you two prayers to pray already. God, help me to love those you've called me to lead. And Jesus, I want you above and in and through my leadership. I'm going to be honest with you, those are easy. Next one's hard. Because I'm not going to give you a prayer. I want to ask you to have a conversation this week. I want you to have a conversation with somebody. And invite them, a, a person that you trust, invite them to be honest with you about your character and about your leadership. How am I doing? I'll never forget when I first entered youth ministry, now well over 10 years ago, I had no clue what I was doing. And some of you say, hey man, you still don't. And that's fine. But I had no idea what I was doing. And so I would get up before the teenagers every Wednesday night and I would preach a sermon. And, and I had a, a young lady who was helping me. She would lead our worship for us. And and, and, and so we went to a conference one time, and our whole church staff was there. We had about 11 staff members. We had a large group. And I forget sitting there, and, and I'm about six months into my time, and I, I looked at, across at, at, at a friend and then this young lady who was leading our worship, and I, I said, tell me how things are going. What do you think? And it was one of those where she, you could tell she didn't want to really say what she thought. You ever, you know, you ask somebody a question and they try to damn, they put them on the spot and they don't know what to say because what they're going to have to say is honest and they're not sure if you want honesty or not. I said, I, I really do want to know. She's still kind of, and I said, we we're talking about my, my preaching. I looked at her and I said, you think I'm boring, don't you? Sort of. You know, I was hoping she'd say, no, that's not it at all. Sort of. I wasn't expecting that conversation. I didn't really do that intentionally. I just sort of walked into it. But I tell you what, it's been those kind of conversations with people that I trust that have helped me to lead better, to serve better, to preach better, to do the things that I do better. 
And if you don't have anybody like that, as I told you, you're in trouble. This week, I wonder, would you invite some? I don't care how old you are. You say, I'm, I'm past the point of needing a mentor. Maybe you've got somebody close to you and you just say, look, how am I doing? How am I coming across? Am I being the kind of friend that you see that God wants me to be? Am I leading this organization the way that God would be pleased with? How am I doing? Would you tell me about my character and about my leadership? There are probably going to be about a handful of people who actually do that this week. And it will be those handfuls of people that God will begin to do a work in your life this week. God, help me to love those you've called me to lead. Jesus, I want you above, in, and through my leadership, and find somebody this week, you say, how am I doing? Tell me about my character. Tell me about my leadership. What's it like to be led by me? (laughs) I, I really believe that because God is the same for you as He is for me, He'll do a work in your life like He's done in mine. I hope that you believe, and I pray that you believe what you've seen in the Scripture this morning. The example of Timothy, that leadership comes down to compassion for others, devotion to Jesus, and submission to a mentor. And as I told you, you can't do it on your own. Don't walk out of here thinking, well, if I just like other people and show up at church, listen to somebody at a conference every once in a while, then I'm compassionate, I'm devoted, and I'm submitting. All of this, every bit of it, as I've already told you, starts with, do you believe in Jesus Christ? Have you placed your faith in Him? There is nothing apart from that that you can do that is any good. Faith in Him is the only thing that pleases God. The rest of it is gravy on top. And so this morning, my prayer before I even entered the sanctuary this morning was, God, convict us of sin. Not just send our leadership, but Lord, convict us. Maybe God is all over you this morning. And for the very first time, you say, Lord, I just want to give it all to you. I recognize that you lived, you died, and you were raised again for me, and that's the only hope I have for salvation. Maybe that needs to be your commitment this morning. Or maybe it's those two prayers and that conversation. Don't leave here today just having heard a sermon and a couple of stories, and some good leadership principles. Leave today having your life changed by Jesus Christ. The only hope you have to have true compassion, true devotion, and true submission. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we recognize you as our only hope this morning. We know when a a subject like leadership, it, it... Maybe it seems to be unspiritual or as if it's separated somehow from our walk with Jesus. But God, I pray that you'd help us to see how they're totally intertwined. So Lord, this morning, first make us people who love you. Do a work in our lives. Change our hearts. Get us back to basics of just loving people and loving you. And let that be the foundation for our influence and our leadership. Lord, as Paul wrote, he said, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I pray, Lord, that we would no longer lead, but you would lead in and through us. That we would no longer parent, but you would parent in and through us. That we'd no longer manage, but you would manage in and through us. Lord, make our lives devoted to you. Send us out, Lord, as we leave this building. 
Send us out to the people over whom we have influence, the folks that we work with that we'll see. Give us love for them. Increase our devotion to you and surround us, Lord, we pray, with folks who will help us stay on track. Thank you, Lord, for the chance to be here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.